What's up, ragazzi? Uh, tonight we got a very special podcast. Uh, we got a James Rowe, uh, who covers all things Eta Divise. Uh, he gets interviews all around the world, really. Uh, he's a man for World Football Index with his interviews and reports and stories. So uh, give him a follow if you haven't already, as at James Rowe NL. Welcome, ragazzi. We are here uh, with a very special interview. Uh, we, well, the, the guest we have here, he's a Dutch expert, interviewer for World Football Index. He's co-host of Man on the Post European podcast. His work can also be seen on the Chronicles of a Gooner, Football Aranje, AFTV, TalkSport, and TalkSport 2. Please welcome James Rowe to the show. Benvenuto, James. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Richard. How are you? I'm doing quite well, man. It's great to have you finally on. Um, you know, Good. I followed your work for a long time, and it's great to you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a fan from a distance, so it's great to have you. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. Yeah, I always try to produce as much quality as possible. It's a it's a great advantage being able to write for World Football Index and and then publish my interviews because it really can drum home the. Uh, the, the world part of World Football Index, you know, because I always say that whether you're interviewing the likes of Danny Cowley, the Kivan Rolleswinkel, um, Justin Hochmer, Maurice Stein, Timo Letzfeld, as we'll speak about shortly, you know, everyone's got a story to tell, Richard. And it, the most important thing is to kind of get that story to the surface and, and whether one person be uh, a, a little bit unknown or one per, one player or manager a little bit more well-known. It's about It's about doing justice to everybody, really. No, you couldn't have said it any better. And, um, you know, really, I want to thank World Football Index because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to uh, follow you as, as I do now. So um, let's get into it and talk about some of the players that you've uh, you've chronicled in the past. And then uh, we'll, we'll look to the future as well. But uh, starting off, um, I want to talk about Timo Leschert. Um, you wrote an article about him in June 2018. Um, it's a player who is uh, part of the Sassuolo ranks. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. to begin with, uh, when did he join Sassuolo exactly? He joined Sassuolo in August 2016, and it was a it was a move which was a, a little bit unexpected because people thought that he may well carry on here in uh, in the Netherlands, perhaps, or look for a move a little bit closer to home. Maybe Germany or France was was muted as well. But um, yeah, he chose to sign for Sassuolo, who were I think then a, an up and coming Italian side with with a lot to with a lot to prove. And uh, I was fortunate enough to interview him, um, in, as you say, in June 2018. And uh, what came across in that interview was how happy he was in Sassuolo at the time and how well he's being looked after. You know, he said about the going into a changing room and, and, and players being aware of, you know, um, that he's got to integrate as quickly as possible, with, uh, especially with the language and, and the manager being... Uh, being um, being open to it, to letting him play and gain more experience, and he also said that his how his time in the Netherlands really stood him in good stead. You know, he had uh, he had a spell at Groningen and he had a spell at, um, at FC Utrecht. Of course, he's now currently on loan at FC Utrecht for this season, and um, yeah, he's also represented the Netherlands at youth level as well. So he's uh, he's had a good 
career still only 25 years old so still the best is yet to come but yeah it was one of my it was my first interview with a with a player of an Italian football club and I had to wait a while because um, in the first instance both him and Sassuolo were uh, were um, were open to doing the interview they just he was injured at the time and they wanted to help with the uh, they wanted him to um, to help with his recovery to improve a little bit more before undertaking any interviews. So sometimes you just have to be as um, as open as possible and respectful as possible. As, as we know, even, you know, as, as football writers and football fans as well, you know, there's anything can happen in football. Anything can happen. Things can change day to day and, and nothing surprises me in football anymore. So obviously now being in a privileged position to be able to interview professional players and managers, I'm a lot more, you know, it's nice to get a, an inside insight and you know that when you're going to interview a, a player or a manager, sometimes with their with their um, injury um, course for for getting back on track, you just have to be patient and wait your turn for your, for your interview, really. No, absolutely, and it's great, and you got to have that kind of patience to uh, to get in and get some juicy information, as you will. Um, Sassuolo is really a great place to start, and, and small clubs like them. You don't, you know, sometimes if you go from a, a smaller uh, country, if you will, and, and not to take anything from Eredivisie or anything like that, uh, but you know, when you move, when you're moving up mm-hmm. in the ranks, if you go right away to a big club, sometimes it's too much for a, per, a player to handle. And going to a club like Sassuolo is really where a great time for them to build, uh, build on their skills and and try to move upwards from there. Um, you know, in your interview with him, uh, what did he what did he say about his life in Italy in the beginning? And uh, did he say what, there were any stark differences between the Eredivisie and Serie A? Um, he um, he was saying mainly about the um, Serie A being a higher level and the teams in Serie A have more money at, at their disposal. And he also believes that the Serie A teams are much more compact and organised and disciplined into the, in comparison to the way that Dutch teams play. But uh, he also says that, you know, in the Netherlands, that they have more time and, and space on the ball and it's a little bit maybe easier for strikers to score. Whereas obviously Italy being known for Catanaccio and the, the art of defending, it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult. But um what came across is, is how much he was enjoying it, Richard. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of players who, who go abroad and get sidetracked or, or, or don't integrate as well as they should or, or are surprised by the level of a country. But he was, he was extremely determined. And um, I think it was a good move for him. And uh, I thought the way that he explained, especially how, how it appears that in Syria all the teams are, are concentrated and, and play in a disciplined way. I think that's the big thing to turn around from there because not only was he determined, but it was the club trying to integrate him as well, especially with the language barrier there. And um, as you mentioned, Syria is a little bit more disciplined, more uh, uh, tactically astute league. And so, I mean, anybody who's come into the league um, through the years, they found it a little bit more difficult to score goals. And so uh, that's great insight there from uh, from Timo in that. Um, and, you know, to wrap up on him, what is the latest with him? I know you said he's with uh, with Utrecht right now. Uh, how's his season going, uh, if you know by chance? Um, no, he's um, with Utrecht. They are, he, he signed a, he signed a loan deal with, uh, and Utrecht have an option to buy. They have a, a new manager coming in next season, which is the current, I said, manager John van der Bellon. Uh, it's a little bit of an irregular season for Utrecht in the respect of Dick Advocat, former national team manager and manager of Glasgow Rangers instead of St. Petersburg, is uh, is managing man, managing them this season. And uh, yeah, they've been a little bit, uh, 
They've been a little bit inconsistent, really. I mean, they're currently um, they're currently sitting in sixth place. They're in contention for to qualify for the European play, playoffs because they want to um, ascertain European football. But they've only won three of the last six games, you know. So they've been uh, they've had a had a very difficult start of the season as well, where a managerial change happened within the first six weeks of the season. And um, yeah, I think they will finish in the European playoff spots, but whether it will be enough to qualify for Europe. I'm not so sure. Um, one thing that struck me with uh, Timo Leska as to how he's playing now and, and things like that was something he mentioned towards the end of his interview where, you know, that he, he's learned through the injuries he's sustained in his career that you can't plan a career. And he remains um, ambitious and he looks at things on a regular basis, but he wants to reach the highest level and intends to keep working hard. So even though the Utrecht have an option to buy, I wonder if Let's Hurt would want to try his luck in Syria again in that respect. Oh, that's that's great stuff. And, uh, you know, to segue from one young player uh, trying to make his way in Syria, I'm going to go to another player that you interviewed, uh, Jakob Rasmussen, uh, the young Danish uh, youngster uh, currently playing for Empoli. Um, tell us about how he, if, when he joined Empoli and, and how his uh, how the transfers have gone with him so far? Well, in the case of Rasmussen, he was extremely enthusiastic about his move to Italy, but also fully aware of what's gone before. I mean, he was saying that he was fully aware that when he arrived in Italy, he couldn't speak Italian. And he's, he's, he's managed to reach a competent level already. So obviously he's a very intelligent young man. But he was giving the example of, of that he understood the coach might not, might not necessarily pick him because, um, you know, in terms of language and communication, especially right, being a defender. Right. And that in the first instance, that he would speak, uh, he would speak to some of the, his teammates in German due to his time in Germany with Schalke, and also, uh, and also some some players in English as well. But the beginning was uh, was a little bit difficult. Um, in his case, we're obviously not having no command of the language, but you know, being able to communicate with other people in in German and English. But he's managed to pick it up very well, and um, he also said as well, you know that. He started a few games and uh, he was gently being eased in by the manager, but he's, he's fully aware to be patient about, you know, to not to not have too much um, expectation as to play every single game. And it's a, it's a, it's all a experience for him and a very good move in my opinion as well. Well, some of the latest developments of him as of I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think January 2019. Um, Fiorentina signed him for seven million euros, and so what did La Viola uh, see in him to sign him to their squad? Um, I think a, a raw determination, and you also mustn't forget that this this player is also a champion. He was champion with Rosenborg in in Norway, and he was. I remember when he was telling me about his time in Rosenborg that he said, you know, about the to become champion. It's such a big moment for the individual as well as the club that you uh, that you you want to you want to take it all in and be aware of what you've done and uh, you know because not everyone can win a league title it doesn't matter which league title it is whether it's the Norwegian one whether it's the uh, Italian one or any kind of lower league ones you know and um, I, I think in the case of, of Fiorentino he's also you know he's got a lot of experience at youth level with Denmark he's positionally very very strong and tactically also very strong and still very young as well he's got an awful lot to give and um, yeah I just think it's uh, Fiorentina 
you obviously know more than me with the Italian expertise, but they've seen something in him to maybe to maybe uh, help their defence going forward in future. And I think his stints in uh, his stints at Empoli will, will help him even will help him even further. But it just it just goes to show how quickly uh, how quickly things can change in football. One minute you're playing in the Norwegian league and and you came through the youth ranks. Uh, Rasmussen came through the youth ranks at Schalke and he was absolutely. Uh, waxing lyrical about the the time he had and the education he received at Schalke, you know, in terms of being formed as a defender and and being told about to perfection to to have um, to have a mentality of being a perfectionist and and about the youth the youth development at Schalke being one of the best in Europe, which I thought was very surprising. Uh, I just think he's been he's received such a good education. He's such a, a young. Uh, determined defender that I think I think Fiorentina I think their defence will improve as time goes on and I also think from my early impression of him Richard he feels very comfortable in Italy because I, I don't know whether it's a, an individual player thing or right, you know players right. when they move to different countries, countries and opportunities come I think it's I think it's very rare in these days that a player signs for one club in one country and then and then makes a step up to a slightly bigger club in the same country shortly afterwards. It doesn't happen very often. And I think it's happened because he's um, I think he's happy in Italy and he wants to continue to improve. And he believes that will happen at Fiorentina. We were talking about you know great education, and you said uh, you know, I, I like Schalke, so I, I and I this part of the article I enjoyed, and how he said he enjoyed playing with like guys like Tilo Kerrer and Leroy Sané and stuff like that, but also the education he's getting in Syria with facing some of the best strikers in the world. Um, in your conversations with him, you know, uh, he talked about some of the best strikers he faced in Syria. Can you uh, tell us some of the names yeah. that he mentioned off? Well, he mentioned about Fabio Quagliarella. And uh, and about when they went away to, uh, I, I think it was uh, might have even been a home game, I believe, against some, against a very good um, Sampdoria side, which beat them four mm, two, and that was at home actually in uh, in Tuscany. So uh, he, he was aware of the the quality of Fabi, Fabi, Fabio Quagliarella, and also the he was also very very generous in his compliments about a very good Sampdoria side, and also. Uh, Chido Immobile at Lazio. Um, he also commended his, his tremendous movement, which can be very difficult for a defender. And also, he gave a mention to Mario Icardi at Inter. I know he's not having the best time, but, um, <laughs> but, but Rasmussen made it quite clear that when you come up against particularly the likes of Icardi, you become better as a defender. And, um, and I, I think that too. You know, I used to watch uh, Football Italia when it was on Channel 4 when I used to live in the um, in the UK before I emigrated to the Netherlands more than a decade ago now. And it always had the quality of, of tremendous, tremendous players. And I, I think that quality is starting to come back. I think the charm is starting to come back as well. I think... Um, I think Juventus, with their strides in Europe, also reaching the um, Europa League fi- uh, Champions League final in 2015, sorry as well, and having a fantastic opportunity to win it this year. Um, I think people are starting to realise that the, the, the Italian football and and the league and the depth of the league is starting to come back. Also with the the fairy tale of Parma as well, you know, with a club that went through the Maya to come back, and I think they drew three three with uh, Juventus in in Turin not so long ago, and. In the debut season, back in the, in the top flight, so it just goes to show. But in the case of uh, Rasmussen, he was just—I mean—he's just very, very happy to be in Italy, Richard. You know, and he said about, um, you know, coming up against the likes of Immobile and Icardi can only uh, can only make you better as a defender. 
Oh, that, that's 100%. And the thing about all three of those those strikers is that they're mobile. Uh, they can make great runs, and they can all finish quite well. So uh, no better education than that, absolutely. So um, before we move on, um, I know he's gone back uh, to finish the season with Empoli on loan there. Um, so how, real quick, how is uh, his season going thus far, and um, uh, is he getting much playtime with Empoli at the moment? Well, I know that when I spoke to him um, earlier on this, uh, uh, we spoke when what, not so long ago now. It was back in back in my back in um, at the beginning of uh, we spoke at actually the, um, the beginning of February. It's just I tried to avoid overkill with uh, with releasing interviews too quickly. Right, right. Um, you know, he was saying about uh, when he arrived at Empoli about about slowly easing yourself in. And uh, yeah, and about being aware about the manager, maybe selecting him for certain games and finding a balance. And I, I think for him, it's about building up experience, whether that be coming on as a substitute or starting in, in the starting eleven. You know, it's all experience for him. He's still very young. And, and one thing that also caught my eye about Jakob Belasmussen as well, which is that he's representing Denmark at youth level. And he, he was so, he said about, you know, when he, took part in the youth European Championships that he didn't really feel part of the journey and they managed to qualify for, for this summers. And he's, he's so excited about it and really looking forward to it because he said that all the qualifying uh, rounds and, and being on the journey with all the players and, and being part of it, I think um, I think Denmark could also su- uh, cause a surprise in the, um, in the European Championships, which are coincidentally being held in Italy, I believe. There you go. So yeah, it rounds all itself out in a big, yes. big complete circle. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And I, I think there'll be a lot of quality on show. 100%. And that's a tournament um, I know I'm excited to watch because not only because of the youngsters for the Italian and for the Azzurri, but also all throughout uh, the European the European teams. And uh, it's going to be an exciting tournament nonetheless. And uh, I'm gonna now I want to switch over to a, another player with another smaller club, uh, um, someone that I guess you can uh, pat yourself on the back on. It's a player that you've had your eye on for a while, and now yeah. this player has been in form, and uh, big teams are starting to court him now. And we're talking, of course, about Martin Derun from Atalanta. Um, you've you rated him since his Sparta and Herrenveen days. So um, how long, yeah. how long have you been watching him, and uh, what stood out from about Derun uh, to you? Well, for, I've been following Martin Delon since he made his debut for Sparta Rotterdam, I think in 2010, I think he made his, his debut for wow. Sparta Rotterdam. And he's just so, he's very much a, a play you don't see very much of these kind of players in this day and age. I'm absolutely delighted that he's, um, that he's, in, he's in the international fold. He didn't have the best game last night in a 3-2 defeat here in Amsterdam for the Netherlands, but he seems extremely happy in Atalanta. You know, he had a great, he had a good period at Heerd and Vane before he's first into Atalanta and his season in the Premier League, he was criminally underused, absolutely criminally underused. And and Middlesbrough, not just because of that, there are also other facets as well, but, you know, he to suffer relegation, uh, no player wants to, um, wants to suffer that and he returned to Atalanta. And he's just, um, he's just so calm, Richard. You know, he, he, he sees runs and he, he's very tenacious yeah. and he, he likes to kind of mix it up. He's, he's not a dirty player. He's just extremely intelligent. And I think when you have a, a player like that alongside you as a teammate, you know that he's reliable and you know that he's not going to neglect his duties in a defensive way. 
and and that Owen is also only 27 years old. The, the best is yet to come. I mean, he's he's been capped a few times for the Netherlands. I hope he um I hope he makes it a few more in the future. But I I, I knew that when he went to the Premier League and people were saying, oh, he, you know, he mustn't be very good because he was relegated with. Uh, Middlesbrough, he didn't play very much. And when he did play very much, he didn't really play in a, a system that was that was useful to him or, or a system that kind of worked as like a compact block. And and when you see how happy he is to return to Atalanta, there was a, um, a Dutch um, sports channel did like a small documentary with him and they went to Bergamo to speak to him and just the, the happiness in his face, you know, that he's back home and he's, he's very happy where he is and that he... He really enjoys the city. He wants to be part of the club and and, and wants to see wants to see the club be successful. I mean, as far as I'm aware, they're in the uh, the Coppa Italia semi-finals and they, they could well make the final. I think they drew the first leg three three with Fiorentina, if my memory serves me rightly. Yes, sir. Yeah, and they make it. They have a great opportunity, and I, I hope that he becomes. Uh, that he becomes even more successful, you know, because there's still a long way to go. He also came through the um, the Feyenoord Youth Academy, and obviously Feyenoord have um, have links to the likes of Excelsior Rotterdam, oh, their yeah. view is like a, a little brother kind of thing, and, and Sparta Rotterdam is is one of the, it's the oldest professional club in the Netherlands, and and everybody will always give Sparta Rotterdam the time of the time of day, and and that only is just you know to be so tenacious and and to be so aware. And just just have the um, the persistence to try and win those balls back or put those balls through or you know he doesn't he doesn't do everything in a lightning quick way but he's got he's got a brain on him and it's great to see uh, it's great to see him using that more and more because he's always he's always had it since he broke through and um, obviously the Serie A is conducive to his to his ability at the moment and I just hope he continues to go from strength to strength for the, for the national team as well. He's certainly a fantastic player to watch uh, week in and week out in Serie A. All right, so Martin Darun, uh, he's been excellent for him this season. As I said, uh, a lot of big clubs are starting to court him, especially in Serie A. Um, of all the teams, the big teams that are possible out there, and we're talk- let's talk about at least the big teams in Serie A. Which teams you feel are the best fit for him? Um, that's a really, really interesting question. Um I would say I think the best fit for him could well be a a Lazio or a Milan, just to take that next step up in the domestic division, right? And 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 continue to improve even more, and 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 I think that that will help him. I think he's also smart enough, you know, with his experience in the past when he went from uh, Sparta Rotterdam to Hildenfein. Hildenfein are also a a big club here in the Netherlands in the region of Friesland who harbour ambitions of European football and want to reach cup finals and they uh, I think they won, they won the Dutch Cup in 2009 as well and um, you know he was that was a, a conscious decision from him but if I'm looking from the outside I think possibly maybe Milan or Lazio I'm I'm not saying that he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be good enough for for Juventus or, or Napoli, I think he could he could he could fit in any team. I think that's the mark of a good player. Right. But I just think to consolidate even more, and especially with the styles of a, a Milan of a or a Lazio, um, I think those those two could well be a good fit for him. I think you're probably spot on on there. I know both those clubs are linked with him, and both clubs uh, could use a little bit more oomph uh, in their midfield, uh, especially with the Indeed. qualities that he brings. Uh, Lazio certainly. 
um, have had a little step backwards in midfield this season. So uh, a player of his caliber would certainly bring them up and get get back to their goal-scoring ways. And as far as Milan, if they're looking to get into that upper echelon of the Serie A with Napoli and Juventus, I think a player like Martin Deroon would be a perfect player to complement that already uh, strong midfield and, and help out that offense, uh, offense and defensive game. So um, he's certainly a player that, like I said, I enjoy watching week in and week out. So um, that's great stuff about Martin Deroon. And now to kind of look at to end this all and, and look at the future here, um, who do you have your eyes on now in the Eredivisie or in Europe in general? And uh, do, do any of them in your eyes uh, have a future in Serie A? Well, if I can start with uh, Eredivisie, Richard, uh, the best defender of the Netherlands, Matthijs de Ligt, has been linked yeah. to almost every single big club in in the world, all the big hitters. Yeah. Uh, Dutch media trying to make a, a big uh, a big case for him to follow, Flanky de Jong, and sign for Barcelona. I think with the art of defending in Italy and the reputation it has, I would love to see de Ligt sign for Juventus. I, I, there are rumours gathering pace that Bayern Munich and, and, and Juventus are the front runners for his signature. And when you look with De Ligt, you know, to be captain of Ajax at the age of 19 and to be so assured, you know, when you when you listen to his post-match um, interviews, you think to yourself, that can't be a, a young boy of 19 speaking, but, but it sounds like I'm a... a, a an experienced player of 30 you know he's so with his vocabulary and examples and, and honesty really it's it's really very impressive and I just think in the case of De Ligt if De Ligt was to, was to go to a, a Juventus for example and become even more schooled in the art of defending I think he could well go on to be the best uh, if not the best Dutch defender of all time I mean he's, he's had a stellar career already you know to make such progress international level being uh, debuting at the age of 17 and you know he's just so calm I mean I've been fortunate enough to watch him since he broke through and you know he's not afraid to bark orders to his teammates he's not afraid to tell a more experienced player who might have experienced more or is five six seven years older than what he is to organize him in terms of um, positional play in Mm. terms of uh, more um, showing more determination to win the ball to to concentrate more and you know he really is a, a much coveted defender but the impressive thing about him Richard as well is he's also very intelligent I, I've been I've been often saying that you know I'm certain he will surprise with uh, with his next choice of club I think people expecting him to go to the likes of Barcelona it's not as easy as that I mean I, I give the case of long lay at um at uh, Barcelona he signed for Sevilla and proved at Sevilla that he was able to um, to cope with the level of the, and the demands of in my opinion the most difficult league in the world so that's why Barcelona signed him um, I have full confidence that the Ligt would be able to cope but I just think as well you know uh, with the Ajax Barcelona links and going all, all the way back to Elinius Mikkels and Johan Cruyff as well you know, the Dutch media always wants to make a big thing of it. Oh, Flanky de Jong has signed for Barcelona, so De Ligt must also sign. I, I don't think that De Ligt is, is looking at that. And uh, he's got a, a very young and wise head on his shoulders, and I'm sure he'll choose carefully. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, I would love to see uh, Matthijs De Ligt at uh, Juventus. And it's uh, it, 
it speaks to his uh, leadership, the way he is able to bark orders to his teammates and get them in the right yeah. position. We saw a lot of that in that great, uh, great leg, the two great legs against Real Madrid, too, the way he was yeah. uh, ushering his teammates around and get them to focus on the very important parts of the, of the game. So uh, he's a quality player, and um, I know a lot of fans right now that the, the in teams to look at in, in the Divise are Ajax and, and PSE Eindhoven because – uh, both those teams are littered with young young talent, but they're also scoring a lot of goals. And um, yeah. uh, in, in terms of forward aspect, uh, would someone like a, a Lozano or or who do you see as far as the attacking aspect that would do well? I know Dusan Tadic tends to be an older player, but um, there's some yeah. younger players as well there that uh, for both those clubs that could possibly do well in Serie A. Um, to start with Lozano, Lozano could definitely do well in Serie A. Although Lozano had a interview with the Dutch press on the eve of the season where he made it quite this season where he made it quite clear that this is his last season in Eindhoven and it's extremely important for his family to feel as comfortable off the pitch as he does on it. So hence why Spain is heavily linked and a move to Spain is, is a distinct possibility. Hakim Ziyech was linked with Roma not so long ago and yeah. there was rumours of a bid from Borussia Dortmund in January of this year, which d- didn't really come to pass, I think Ziyech could do a great job in Italy. Um, he's, he, his passing is extremely accurate. He's, uh, he's extremely, extremely determined. And he went through a spell. He was at FC Twente many, many years ago um, before, uh, before signing for Ajax. And uh, he rejected a bid to go to Sampdoria. Uh, on the basis that he didn't feel that it was right for him. Obviously, Sampdoria, a well-known club in Italy. And he said, no, time, time didn't feel right. And the same with Werder Bremen as well. And, you know, he's a Moroccan international, had a, had a half-decent World Cup. You know, he was, didn't, certainly didn't disgrace himself. And he's been, a, he's been a vital cog in the Ajax Champions League campaign where they faced Juventus in the quarterfinals with the first leg in Amsterdam on the 10th of April. I think uh, Hakim Ziyech could well do uh, could well do a good job in Italy. You, you rightly mentioned Dusan Tadic and he's had a tremendous impact. I mean, I was there when he made his debut against um, Graz in the Champions League qualifiers back at the end of July, I believe it was. And the roar from the crowd was just one of, you know, we've got a tremendous player here. And I think it's quite short-sighted from some Premier League um, press outlets and, and fans in general that, you know, he's pulling up trees for Ajax, but didn't really do that in Southampton. The system that he's playing in with uh, Ajax has a lot of pace. Players all like to take responsibility and they, the blocks that they all find themselves in. Defenders defend, midfielders defend and also attack and strikers attack. And I don't really think Talic had that in a, in unison in Southampton, hence why he's making such an impact here in Amsterdam. Yeah, he's uh, really, really become a special player and a, and, a, and a leader for them as well offensively. he's uh, People are starting, they kind of forgot about him when he was at Southampton, but now they're now he's back in the in the Eredivisie, uh, they're, they're all eyes are back on him again. Like, wait, where, where's he been? So, um, yeah. it, it is a testament of how the how the structure is in, in Eredivisie and, and how well the players, uh, how well offensively they play as well. So, um, this has been a fun, fun interview, and I feel like I go on all day. But uh, let's wrap this one up here. Um, uh, some great stuff here on some of the youngsters and, and even some of the vets like to that uh, Tadic. Uh, but this is your time now. Plug away. Uh, Tell us about anything that you got going on or, um, you know, any, any, like Man on the Post or anything you want to plug away. So go ahead. 
Okay, thank you very much. First and foremost, uh, Richard, I'd like to plug my Twitter feed at James Rowe NL and listeners can check out my latest interviews on World Football Index in the coming weeks. I have uh, published uh, interviews coming up with um, Sebastian Larsson, the 100 times Swedish international who, who also played for Arsenal and Birmingham. Also, Andrew, Andrew Marveggio, who also played for Fortuna Sittard, is now playing in Serbia. And a couple of others, too. If you always keep an eye, you'll always read as to what the latest interviews will be and, and initial reaction. Also, the Man on the Post European podcast with Scott Monroe. Scott also has great Italian football expertise. And uh, you know, we, we bounce ideas off one another and we always keep an eye on, and keep our fingers on the pulse in Europe. We always try to, to give... Uh, to cast a net wide and, and to speak about many, many different teams in terms of even teams that are maybe not doing so well. And um, yeah, just um, you can keep an, keep an eye on that. We try to um, publish a podcast every week. And also I'm an Arsenal supporter. I will be attending Arsenal Napoli on the 11th of April, which I'm very excited about. And obviously oh, nice. being a... Being an Arsenal supporter and um, coming all the way from Amsterdam for the matches that I attend with Arsenal, I sometimes speak to Arsenal fan TV as well, which is nice. But the main, the main work uh, is is World Football Index and Man on the Post, and um, and also doing some translation for Football Annual for Dutch um, for Dutch press conferences and initial reaction from, for example. Uh, the the match last night and and you can also check out some of my early interviews on footballannu.com also with the Dutch ladies team who were victorious in Euro 2017 I managed to interview almost uh, just over half sorry of that victorious side who are uh, have a great chance to win the World Cup in France this summer so if you are partial to that and you'd like to read some of that you can read uh, my interviews not only on worldfootballindex.com uh, but also Football Anya but if you go to at James Rowe and now you can find everything you need oh, that's excellent stuff there uh, once again you know both Frank and I are, are ecstatic to have you on the show and uh, we're going to have to do this one again uh, maybe we can get you on for the whole yeah. pod and we can uh, talk about some Serie A games Indeed, I'm, 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 I'm be more than happy to, Richard. Send my regards to Frank. I look forward to speaking to him soon. And uh, yeah, if you just give us an, if you've got an idea in mind as to uh, as to a slot that you think might be might be good, then just let me know, and I'll try to, I'll try my very best to be able to to accommodate. Thank you, James. Once again, again, everyone, this is James Rowe. Uh, we say grazie mille uh, for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, James. Bye. Prego, prego. Gra- uh, mille grazie a tutti. All right, that was James Rowe. Uh, what'd you make of the interview? Uh, he was a fantastic guest. We're going to get him on the podcast for the Dern with the panel. We can talk all culture, all the games uh, in the future. But uh, this is just a little snippet, a little something to get your get your mouth watering. Um, as always, you follow us on uh, at, at Syria Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. You can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Spotify, I mean, anywhere uh, anywhere that streams music, you can find us there, as well as make sure you hit the subscribe button and like button here on the podcast on, on YouTube. Um, and then also stay tuned for the next video and or podcast. So until the next podcast comes, ragazzi, stay tuned and we'll be with you soon. Ciao.